Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Talk or the show or whatever you want to call what I do on Tuesday nights. Um, you know, um, tonight's going to be pretty fun for me. It's going to be probably boring as hell for most people, but hopefully not. I uh, I got just a few things I want to get out of the way first. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll just be up front so you guys can all hang up right now. <laughs> I I. Um, a couple of things that you want to get out of the way up front, uh, because I think they're important. Um, something I've been working on, and then also something uh, else. So let me get over to my invite. And oh yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's a nice picture uh, Rob created for me there. Um, so right off the bat, I want I, I want to thank everybody that 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 chose to, to be a member over there at XYZ because, I mean, I know that, that what I talk about, what I've been talking about mainly uh, for the last, shit, it's been five years anyway. I think I first got on the air back in 2010, at least five years, I guess. But anyway, I started I started way back with all the Patriot nonsense, and, and now I'm, I'm way out there. But for those people that, that uh, have, have actually bought in to this, this uh, this journey of mine and, and and the information or the things that I found in the last couple of years, mainly the last three years, starting with all the uh, the DNA material, um, I got to commend you, and and because most people will not, they will not take off their Rosicrucian colored glasses. They will not stop in their erroneous belief systems and and, and take a different path. Um, I, again, what is that old say? That old saying that uh, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna um, I don't even know how to paraphrase this anymore. Uh, the the way you got into the trouble is not going to be the way you got out. I mean, the, the, the place we found ourselves, um, it's not going to be, you're not going to escape it the way you think you're going to escape it. It's going to have to be a completely different mindset. And that's what I offer here, and that's what I've been offering with uh, my buddy Rob and, and Nanako and everybody else that's sort of gotten on this, this journey with me um, over at XYZ. So for all those people... And, and there are quite a few. I, I, I uh, back in May, I was forced <laughs> by, by Nanako. I was forced by Nanako to actually um, do an event out in um, California, and I and I I gave it the name Coopsville, um, because the information I bring forward is is it's extremely kooky to most until you start to really think about it, and you go, oh, holy crap. This stuff is almost too obvious. And then, of course, when they go out and try to tell their friends what they know to be true now, they become the kooks. But anyway, back, back in May, Renanico called me up and said, listen, I have some friends here that would like to get together and, and hear what you have to say about some of this stuff. And I said, listen, I really don't do events. I'm not really interested um, in doing events. I know it's hard to tell, but I'm pretty shy. Uh, but she said, listen, if we can get a couple people to make it worth your while, would you come out here? 
And I said, I'd probably do it if there was at least 20 people that showed up. And I don't want to pay my way to come out there and do this. And I said, as long as I don't have to pay anything, my expenses are paid out through this. So this Cootsville event got put together fairly quick. Nautica did a phenomenal job. Um, I told her that I wanted those folks that could show up out there to at least be fed properly, you know, with foods that, that were acceptable to me. I didn't really care what anybody else ate, but I, they, the food had to be acceptable to me. And uh, so she found a great caterer, and the food was catered in, you know, uh, every day. And everybody was pretty happy with that aspect, whether they were happy with me or not. <laughs> I don't know. But everybody paid probably about 600 bucks a head to get in. And we had a it, – it sold out. It sold out in two weeks. And, of course, now here I am without anything to say, <laughs> anything to say, and 50 people showing up. It, again, it was uh, – the room we had was, was nice. It was a really nice, the, uh, the background, everything about where we were located was really neat. I stayed right on the premises in a really, really neat house with uh, the, the film crew and all that, uh, the folks, Nautico and everybody. So we had a tremendous time out there, and it was a four-day event. It was basically Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I basically did three sessions morning, afternoon, and then a, like a Q&A at night. And we probably had 40, 50 hours of footage by the time it was all said and done. And, and Rob has been so kind as to uh, edit that down into something more user-friendly. Um, but anyway, so we, we have this, this footage of this Cookville event. And basically, all of it is off the cuff. I had nothing scripted when I was there. And basically, whatever came to my head is what I spoke of. So we have probably... 20 to 30 hours in this edited version, and I have decided to uh, give that Cooksville, give a pass to Cooksville um, as, a, as a Christmas gift to all the members over at XYZ, because I think they've earned it. Anybody that has been able to go through all those audios, and there's a couple hundred hours of audios, but anybody that's willing to sit and listen to me explain goofy stuff for hour after hour, I think they, they, they should have a little more. So I'm giving this, uh, or I should say we're giving it because, you know, other people have worked on it. We're, oh, those of us over at XYZ are actually going to give that Cooksville event to all the, uh, the members, and, and, and that's, that's my Christmas gift to everybody. I couldn't figure out what to do with that footage. I, I, it, you know, we have it up at the site. It's going to be for sale, I suppose, out there for about 300 bucks for the for the video, but I, we're going to give it to the, the members anyway. So, again, that's my thank you to you guys. Uh, Rob put up kind of a goofy photo together <laughs> for, for this promotion. Um, man, I appreciate I appreciate everything you do, Rob. I mean, seriously, it's I, I'm tough to work with, and uh, you know, and and it's because I work alone. So to have some incredible people that are helping me work alone. Um, I really love you guys. So thank you very much for, for, for helping me get that Cooksville thing done and and making it available for the people um, that believe in a different path. So, again, that's, I wanted to get that out right away is that it, it, it's worth it. I, I, I haven't even seen it myself, but I, I've, I've got into a few minutes here and there, and I'm thinking, holy shit, did I really say that? I mean, and by the way, the one thing that, that the people do find kind of humorous about the Cooksville event is this is that I always joked about having, you know, two sides to my personality, and the, the, the other side I, I jokingly referred to as Mr. Hyde. <laughs> so a 
occasionally Mr. Hyde does come out. I'm just trying to warn people that, it, you know, the Cooksville event is not really for the faint-hearted. I, uh, I'm pretty brutal in there. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to apologize. But uh, Mr. Hyde does come out actually quite often. So, anyway, that's the end of that. Uh, thank you, everybody, and enjoy that. Um, not trying to get you stuck in front of your computers for 30 hours, but uh, it's well worth it. I, I guarantee that. Now, something on a personal note from for me is uh, last Friday, um, I went down to the county and I recorded uh, a VBA that I got from Minnesota. But I want people to understand I mean, there's a way to do this properly. And But I, I just want to tell people something I've found this week. I'm, I'm the slowest guy out there. Everybody else that's out there is confident a bit to get something done or recorded or, or you know, move fast. I'm, I'm slow. I always say that, you know, slow is fast. If you do something right, you don't have to do it again. So slow is fast in my world. And I, I drag my feet until it feels right. Last week, um, I'm cleaning the house for Christmas. We have some folks coming over here for Christmas for the holidays. And I'm going through big piles of information that I have in, in an office. And I'll be damned if I did not run across, run across the original 1965, May 5th, 1965, Certification of Registration. The original Certification of Registration. Let me get it out here real quick. Here it is right here. I'm looking right at it. It's called the Certification of Birth Registration. It was uh, State of Illinois, Winnebago County. Certification of Birth Registration. It's four inches by three and a half inches. It's a little card that was folded in half, and it came in its own little envelope. It was delivered by the stork, meaning the postman the stork, he delivered this child through the mail to my parents. Uh, it, it's dated May 5th, 19, A.D. 1965. Let me read the document. By the way, I'm, I'm, when I get done with this, then I'll, 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 I'll get into some of my really fun Christmas stuff. But this is a certification of birth registration. Let me read it. State of Illinois, Winnebago County, all caps. Certification of Birth Registration, all caps, and then it reads, this is to certify that according to records on file in this office, comma, that Curtis Richard Kallenbach, all caps, then there's a line, and underneath that it says, full name of child at birth. And then it says, sex, male, was born September 19, 1960. This is all upper and case from this point forward at Rockford, Winnebago County, Illinois, comma, name of father, Richard Franklin Kallenbach, father's age, 22, birthplace, Rockford, comma, I-L-L, period. In other words, it's not the corporate I-L caps, Illinois. It is I-L-L, the original post designation. And then it says, maiden name of mother, Mary Ann Pappas. Mother's age, 21, birthplace, Rockford, comma, I-L-L, period. Date of filing, and this is where it gets weird to me. Date of filing. Now, remember, this is, this is for the, the Curtis Richard Kallenbach, all caps. And, it, and it's called a full name of child at birth. 
The filing date is October 6, 1960. October 6, 1960. Remember, my, my arrival date, uh, Gregorian, is September 19th. So what is that? That's uh, 19. I think there's 30 days in September, so that's 11 plus 6. That's 17 days. I'm telling you, mathematically, this works out pretty well. Anyway, child's birth date or birth number, and it gives the number. And then it says, in witness whereof, the seal of the clerk of the county court of Winnebago County, state of Illinois, has been effect here to this fifth day of May, A.D. 1965. And it has the embossed seal of the county. Here's why this is important. The stuff I've been talking about the last few weeks. I've been talking about um, the ship of state or the vessel that needs to be uh, have a DBA because that is your person, your person or ship of state within the world of commerce. It's not dangerous if it's registered to you. Remember that uh, my buddy Joseph and I, who by the way we have probably a hundred and some hours over there at XYZ recorded, but my buddy and I uh, were talking about this the other day. Uh, don't take offense to this, people, but if if Joseph showed up at my front door naked. It'd be kind of awkward at first, but the point is, is that I would recognize the naked man at my front door as only a naked man. He doesn't have any uniform on. He doesn't have any clothes on. He's just a man. Well, isn't that what everybody's doing in court is screaming, if they're a man, I'm a man. Well, big whoop, you're a man. Everybody can see that you're a man, but who are you? We know what you are, but who are you? If there's no way to, to, to know who you are or what you represent or, or for what team you're playing, so to speak, nobody cares. Everybody knows you're a man. The problem is, is who are you? See, your person designates who you are. Now, the problem is, Curtis Richard Kallenbach, this particular person identifies a commercial character. It is a, they call it industrial property. It's a commercial character. It's my commercial person. And if a commercial person that's registered to you goes unused for five years, that commercial person, i.e. Curtis Richard Kallenbach, all caps, goes into the public through um, negligence or uh, eminent domain or whatever, it becomes a public charge after five years. Now, here's what's interesting about this date on here. My parents received this in the mail at least on or after May 5th, 1965 A.D. I was born September 19th. This thing came a little, right around five months and 14 days before the end of the fifth year. So it was about to terminate. In other words, the United States... um, protection over this child was about to end at five years. At five years it ends through non-use. They had about five months and 14 days to re-register this thing so it didn't go public. Once it went public, it's a free-for-all. Anybody can use it. See, the difference between a private man or a private man and a private or a public man isn't the man, it's his person. If your person's in the public and it becomes a public charge, anybody can use it in the public. It's community property. If it's private and it's in your possession, registered to you, 
then nobody else can use it. It's private property. And that's the difference. A man is not in public. His person's in public. A man's not private. His person is private. It's property. Your person is property. And so everybody that's running from this person, I don't, the name, I've got to get away from the name because I'm a man. You know what? That's, that's foolish. And you start to sound kind of retarded. So think about everybody you know just showing up at your house with no name, just a bunch of people. I'm one of the people. I don't care who, who, that you're one of the people. Tell me who you are. Well, I'm me. I get it. I can see that you're you, but, but who are you? Oh, I'm a man. You know what? So are the other 15 people standing next to you. I need, to, I, I need some identity from you. And the only way I get that is through a person. By the way, the idea that dad, the word dad is a person. The, the word mom is a person. It, it, it is a character, a role. The only problem with this person here that I'm looking at on this page, Curtis Richard Kellenbach, all caps, the only problem with it is that five years after it was given to me or, or, or registered, it says a certification of birth registration. Five years after that, five years probably in a day, that thing went into the public. So Curtis Richard Kallenbach became a public charge probably September 20th, 1965. And then the next two years it's out there, and it's, it's, it's that character, that person's missing, and then at seven years, presumed dead. Missing, presumed dead at seven years. Why? Because nobody claimed him. Nobody claimed that person. And the only one that can claim it is the owner. But the owner never came forward, so he's gone. He's missing. That's the only presumption anybody could logically make. Listen, if I had you know, a, 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 a treasure chest of gold sitting here with my name on it, but I never came forward and, and claimed the chest, because I'm a man. I'm not going to claim that name. It's, I know the chest is filled with gold, but it, it, that name is a person. It's the name of a person. I'm a man. Come on, people. Wake them up. This is all business. In 1883, through uh, the Convention of Paris, they identified something called industrial property. And that industrial property is your capital and your labor. And it has a title. And that's what this is right here. Curtis Richard Kallenbach is a title to my industrial property. If I don't claim it, all of my productivity... All of my productivity goes into the public. It becomes, it can be consumed by the public, not private. Here's the way I like to look at it, and, and this is, this is, I'm gonna, I'll just finish up with this. You got to think of that. I mean, it's a vessel. It's a ship of state. It's a commercial vessel, and Curtis Richard Kallenbach is out there in commerce. In commerce. The funny thing is that if I don't claim that vessel, it becomes a derelict vessel. Derelict. No captain. It, it's, it's, it's rudderless. There's nobody guiding it. It's derelict. It needs to be towed in. It's salvageable. Salvageable. And when they salvage a, a vessel, a boat, a ship, 
if if nobody comes forward and it uh, and claim it, there's a lien placed against it. I can still hear people screaming right now, but I'm a man. I'm one of the people. Yeah, that's right. And you have a person, a vessel in commerce. And if you don't claim it or take uh, uh, that bull by the horns, if you don't take that vessel over, it's going to be a charity case subject to the bar, subject to probate, subject to administrative process. This is, all, this is total adult stuff here. You know what? Here's how I feel about all of the patriotic nonsense going on. I feel like they're a bunch of children running away from their responsibilities. That's what I feel like at this point. You know, after five-plus years in this garbage, I'm now starting to see this as pure business, a private man's business, or a charge to the public, one or the other. So here's what I did on Friday. I took Minnesota Rule 220, and I created a notice that I was going to record down at the county. I created a notice and put Minnesota Rule 220 right on the front of it with the word notice. On the back of it, I created an affidavit that is based upon Minnesota Rule 220. I included a copy of the uh, Winnebago County Certification of Vital Record, the COLB, which, that has my mother's original signature on it. I included a new version of the certif- Certification of Birth Record or the Certif- uh, certificate of live birth. In other words, an old one and the new one, just so they could see that the old one had up Curtis Richard Kallenbach upper and lower case. The new one has Curtis Richard Kallenbach all caps, which correlates to the original certification of birth registration that was delivered to my parents' house in 1965. You see, that vessel, that ship of state has always been mine. Always been mine. It may have gone into... Uh, a, a dereliction phase until I discovered that it needed to be re-registered. But the fact of the matter is that this little four by three and a half piece of paper identifies that I, ab initio, have always been the owner of that vessel. So all the things that have happened to me for the last 56 years was a mistake as far as the legal system goes. A mistake. Okay, that's that's enough of the intensity for today. I just want people to understand that I'm always moving ahead. My next step is to get this off to the APC, the Alien Property Custodian, because the Alien Property Custodian has both my authenticated certificate of live birth and uh, birth certificate, both authenticated. Why? Because Title 50 USC says that they are supposed to have that in their possession. They're supposed to have that because that's not my property. And that's so now this works beautifully for me. Uh, my next step is gonna is is to send a copy of this off to the APC with another uh, follow up letter or follow through letter. And then I'm going to go get a proper passport. And now think about this, people. What is the name on the passport? Remember, this is all commerce, all commerce. The name on the passport is what? Last over first middle. All caps. And it correlates to the common law legal name that's on the library, one of the shelves of the Library of Congress. In my case, common law legal name, Colin by Curtis Richard. And now I have the vessel 
commercial vessel that that allows me to live in that world, and it has uh, it gives me the ability to control my industrial property, which is my capital, my mind, my intellectual abilities, and my labor, my muscle, my ability to physically do something, my mind and my body, capital and labor. That's industrial property, as identified in 1883 at the Paris Convention, and then reiterated in, at the Hague Convention in 1925, signed on by the United States. Everything in play by uh, Erie versus Tompkins in 1938, the United States was full-blown into full commerce by then. Anyway, Christmas. Christmas. I brought up, just for fun here, all the Christmas movies um, that I could find. I mean, in fact, before I got on this call, I was watching it, a, a Frank Capra movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Um, there's so many things in all these Christmas movies that are so amazing and that tell the story, that tell the story. I mean, there's a part in, in It's a Wonderful Life where he's talking about, I think it's uh, his, his daughter was sick and, and, and they were all worried about it. But she, you know, a bell rings and she says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And what's funny about the, the birth process in the hospital is when a baby is born in a hospital, a bell rings. Um, there are two aspects. There are two aspects that occur when a bell rings. She's right. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. But, but in um, the law of the sea, before a ship uh, embarks on its journey or leaves port, a bell rings. Again, if you want verification on this, go to Lloyd's of London or and, and look up the concept of the of ringing of the bell. A ship leaves port at the ringing of the bell. So think about that. An angel gets its wings, and a ship or a vessel leaves port. There's a separation there, a separation of the vessel or the body from the spirit, an angel, i.e. spirit, and the vessel, the body, going off on a journey. So just something as simple as a Christmas movie like that. It's a Wonderful Life. There's Frank Capra, by the way, had so many amazing movies. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, Meet John Doe. So there's guys that I think their entire careers are built about this, uh, uh, around this information. Um, of course, one of my favorite movies, and that it's almost in an endless loop here in my house, is Christmas Vacation. And I have uh, some of the quotes in Christmas Vacation to me are, are absolutely unbelievable. I mean, here, Cousin Eddie, who is the a charity case, Cousin, Cousin Eddie shows up in, a, in an RV. And, and there's that scene in there where he actually talks about why he's in the RV, the RV, the recreational vehicle, the vessel that has no home. They don't have a home. And, and he actually states in there that a friend of his took his house and traded or gave him the RV in its place which is exactly what happens to us. They take our house, our father's name, and they give us a vessel in its place that we get to use in our journey. And that's why it's so scary to me when people don't realize that the only way that you can become whole, the word is reconciled, the reconciliation, is when, when the, the living man, I'm a man, when the man 
has control of the vessel. He's reconciling uh, his name with the ship. With the, 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 in other words, the uh, the two are now one. The two are now one. And only when it's reconciled, only when the lesser is merged into the greater, is a man completely in control of his life and beyond the courtroom, completely beyond the courtroom. You have to be in control of the vessel. Here's one last thing I'll say about that weird vessel that they gave you. This vessel that's registered here as of 1965, it says it right here, but this vessel flies a United States of America flag. So when you're, if you're ever even, I mean, this DBA registered in, in Minnesota, it now has the sigil, the signal, the standard of the United States of America flying above it. And just like I talked about last, last week, um, that is your membership within the world's common market. That's, that's commerce, people. So when you have your membership under your control flying the United States of America flag, you're protected by the United States of America. But only if it's registered to you. If it's not registered to you and it's part of the public charge, that vessel needs salvage. That, that vessel needs to be salvaged, or the word is salvation around Christmas. And then that's an unknown vessel. It's a stateless vessel. It's a vessel that is treated as a refugee. You have no rights if you're not registered. And this is another thing that's scary to people. You know, the idea that the, the, the citizenship aspect. The Article 4 citizen is still a citizen, and that's the citizen that has all the rights within the state. Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan... That's still a citizen. So there's an awful lot of people out there that are afraid to even use the word citizen. But by the way, citizen is where you have what? Rights. Within the community. If you're not a citizen or, and you're nothing more than a stranger, you don't have any rights. And you don't have any protection from that place. Citizen is not a bad thing. Um, and another thing about having control of the ship of state as the captain of that ship, you now have legal standing in the courtroom, the commercial courtroom. You have legal standing. And you have all the authority as the captain of that vessel. See, everybody that goes into these rooms, these courtrooms, these so-called courtrooms, they're going in as a man, and they have no standing because the living has no place, no standing in the world of fiction. All you have to do is, is register it. You don't even have to use it in your, mind, in your mind. All you have to do is have control of it. At least now you're protected by the flag that's flying on that vessel. And again, remember back at that common market, what does it say about that vessel? The vessel is it, it, it's duty-free in those ports. It is duty-free. It it's under no duty. And it also gets to travel freely with 
it. What? Capital and labor. I'd like to, I'm going to leave this analogy, this vessel analogy right now and get back to Christmas. I, you know, I, this is the problem with attention deficit. I keep going back to these things and, and, and over and over. I can't let go of it. Sometimes I get in an endless loop. You've got to think of your vessel. Think of it as a ship. And in your journey of life, wherever you go, whatever job you have, whatever you acquire, cars, trucks, houses, uh, uh, motorhomes, Everything you acquire is cargo on your ship of state, on your vessel. It's cargo. Everything you acquire is cargo. And it's all inside your vessel. And you get to go and you get, and it's on your ship manifest, and, every, and you get to protect it. And, it's, and you're protected, your ship is protected by the United States of America because it's now flying the flag as one of its merchant fleet vessels. But it's all cargo. Everything you acquire through your efforts is cargo on your vessel. And it's treated as private. If your vessel is not registered to you, everything you acquire is common property. It's subject to the common. Everybody gets to make a claim on your property. Also, you have no um, claim of privacy or private rights. You, everything you have is given to the public to use. If anybody in the public makes a claim against that name, that vessel, they they can take what you have because your vessel is public property at that point. It's unclaimed. I'm trying to make this simple. I'm trying to make it simple. Okay. God, I've got to stop this stuff. i got to stop talking like this. I wasn't going to do this tonight. Um, here's the thing. I I struggle with the folks that I meet out here in, in this world, Facebook and everything else, the people I talk to, because there are so many people that want a war. They want a war. They want that republic back. The republic hasn't gone anywhere. The republic's exactly where it is. You just don't feel like you're in it because mm, you've made a lot of strange choices. Yeah, yeah, I know. We've been deceived. We've been misled. I know that. But ultimately, you have to let go of that. When I got tased for allegedly not using a turn signal back in 2010, I could have held on to the anger, the hatred, the rage of, of, of such an indignity. But instead, I, 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 I sat back and I thought, how could they do this? And then I learned all this stuff so I could understand the mechanism that allowed them to do this and, and, and allow the courts to actually say, yeah, we were, uh, the, the guy that tased you was within his rights, his official capacity to do that to you. I could have been angry for the rest of my life, but I had to give it up. I don't forgive anybody. Don't get me wrong. I don't forgive those motherfuckers for what they did. And again, and I don't have any problem pushing a button and letting them all drop into a giant wood chipper. You've got to understand, this is not wishy-washy stuff for me. I'm not angry about it. I just wouldn't mind if they disappeared from the planet. doesn't bother me one bit. All the bad people could disappear overnight, and I wouldn't miss a single one of them. 
but it's not anger. It's just that they're poison, they're toxin to the system. And I can't be angered about it. I can't be thinking, I want, I, want the, I want to march on Washington. I want to do all this stuff. You know what? It isn't going to help. It isn't going to help. And so the, the whole point is that I grew up. I grew up in this an amazing situation. I, my life has not been difficult. Now, I, as a kid, I mean, I've had the most wonderful Christmases. You know, I was the oldest boy, the second born, and, and my, my dad worked hard. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And, and we always had a new tree, you know, a living tree. We had tons of presents. My dad worked his balls off. But we were, we were pretty much a regular family, six kids back then. And, and I couldn't wait for, you know, in grade school, I couldn't wait for that, that last day of, of uh, school before the Christmas break. Because I knew that, you know, four or five blocks away from my house were some sledding hills. And I was going to spend all winter, enjoy all, all Christmas break. By the way, back then, you know, at it, it, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, Christmas break was huge. It was, what, 10, 12, 15 days, 20 days? That's a long time for a kid. I mean, when you don't have any responsibilities, when you don't have any worries, when things are that easy... 20 days of total freedom without any fear, then that's a long time to enjoy yourself. But I was pretty naive even as a kid. Even as, I mean, I was naive because I trusted everybody. I believed in the good of everybody. I still do, as a matter of fact. But there was one, I remember, uh, I remember over the Christmas break, and it was probably only two or three days into the break, by the way. One of the one of the boys in my class, it was his birthday, and he had a, a slumber party or whatever boys would call it now. I don't know, but a bunch of us got stayed over at his house, and it was a Saturday night when we stayed there, and his parents got us pizzas and everything else, and we did whatever you know nine year old boys do. And then in the, in the morning, um, his mother sent us over to the uh, bakery, which was probably four blocks away, and it was you know really snowy and everything, and it was just gorgeous. I mean, I always loved the snow mainly because I always had a nice warm jacket. Of course, if I was homeless and I didn't have those things, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it so much. But anyway, so, you know, eight or nine kids, boys, walked over to this bakery in the morning and got donuts because that's what his mother had planned for us. And, you know, we're doing what boys do, jacking around all the way there. But And, and, and it was like a, a little mall. It was way long before malls. Obviously, it was 1968 or 69 or something like that. And it was... Uh, a Swedish bakery, and we had to walk past um, a Walgreens. And back in 1968 or 69, uh, there used to, the Walgreens Sunday paper used to be out in front of the Walgreens, just in a big, big stack, big stack of, of newspapers, Sunday papers. And by the way, this is right around Christmas or just prior to Christmas, so these were giant newspapers. Well, what people would do back in 1968 or 69. Um, they would drive up and they would grab a newspaper and throw the, the, the cost of the paper down next to it. You know, it was all coins because the paper back then, even even the big paper might have only been, you know, 95 cents or a, a dollar and a quarter or something. And so here's a bunch of boys. By the way, my brother was with me at this, this, this overnight, my brother Conrad. And anyway, so we're walking past the Walgreens and all of a sudden one of the boys looks down at the cement over there by the Walgreens and he goes, Money! And, of course, all the boys ran over 
and uh, started putting all this money, this change that was on the ground for the newspapers, in their pockets. (laughs) And I'm like everybody else. You know, I got caught up in it. I was one of the lemmings. And I and, and everybody's running over and just grabbing nickels and dimes and quarters off the ground and, and this is you know this is a, it's a frenzy it's a, it's a feeding frenzy of nine year old boys going after all these coins from this, this this newspaper money and all of a sudden out of nowhere a guy out in the parking lot drives speeds over and he's yelling at us I, it might have been the newspaper guy or somebody but he's yelling at us and uh, uh, everybody you know throws the money back down on that on the uh, sidewalk. So when he's standing there, he's looking at all of us, and I wasn't smart enough to let go of the money I, because I didn't see anything wrong. I didn't understand what the money was for, so I didn't see anything wrong with having it in my hand. But all these other kids must have known something was wrong. Well, everybody threw their money down, and I was the only one that did so here I am, this guy comes up and he goes, oh, and so I'm the only guilty one apparently because even though everybody else threw the money down, I was the only one that threw it in my hands, and so I got in trouble. This is only like two days after, you know, break started, and uh, so he takes me into the Walgreens, and, and I'm sobbing, you know, nine-year-old kid, first time ever in trouble for anything ever, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting there where he calls my parents, and they, and of course my brother stuck with me because he's my younger brother. And we're uh, we're sitting there waiting for my parents to show up. They show up, and, of course, they explain what happens. I explain what happens, but it doesn't matter. I get grounded for the entire winter uh, break. I mean, this is only two days in. And so does my brother, which is funny. Even though he didn't have anything in his hands, he got grounded too. Well, the beautiful thing is that my parents, they did that basically for show down there. And, of course, they made us. Uh, live up to that grounding for a couple of days anyway, just to prove a point, but then eventually they, they cut us loose. But the point is is that I, I believed, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm that naive. I really believe that, that you know, uh, the money down there, I would have never taken it if I thought it was somebody else's. I had no idea why it was on the ground. I've never walked out in this kind of a situation before. And so I grabbed the money up because it was just there on the ground for no reason whatsoever as far as I'm concerned. That's me. That's how naive I am about those things. That's how naive I was. So I always believed in, you know, the simple, the simplicity of everything. Um, I remember 1965. I remember when uh, we had this, this big old farmhouse that I grew up in. In fact, the city grew up around the farmhouse. It grew up around the farmhouse, so I had a farmhouse in the middle of the city. And uh, I remember being in, in, in what we call the family room. I was watching TV. I was probably six years old at the time. And it was the first time I'd ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas, which came out one year earlier, 1965, I believe. And that's been my favorite of all the, the Christmas shows ever since, probably because it's tied to these great memories of, of my childhood. But I, I remember watching that. And even as a kid, even growing up watching it year in and year out, I could never figure out why all the kids were had first names only. And then there was this one kid with Charlie Brown. Well, of course, now at 56 years old, I realized that Charlie Brown has a legal name, which is why he gets screwed over on everything. He's the one that's he's the only one that is tied to a legal name, which is why he always, you know, misses the football. All the bad stuff happens to Charlie. Because he's Charlie Brown. 
My point is, is that Charles Schultz knew what was going on. He was one of those people that was sending the message to everybody. How come there's Lucy and Linus and, 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 and Lisa and all these children with, with only first names, and then there's legal name Charlie Brown? That's the kind of thing that awareness, even as a kid, I was aware of those kinds of differences. By the way, if, if, as an adult now, I look at that movie and there's, there's a couple things in there that, that blow my mind. Number one is, is uh, Lucy, when Charlie's asking her why she's so bummed, what is it that she really wants for, for Christmas? And what does this child say? Real estate. Now, why would a, you know, an under 10-year-old ever say real estate? See, Char- uh, Charles Schultz was actually telling us that the names were not tied to land. And this child was actually saying, I need, in order for me to be whole, I need the real estate to go along with my name, with my title. I need real estate. In other words, I need me back. I need to be whole. Now, a lot of people are going, Kurt, but that's, that's quite a stretch. No, it isn't. Because the Summa Theologica, the Roman Catholic Church, um, their doctrine, they, they state emphatically that the product of mother's womb is land. So think about that. What does father carry in? Father carries title. Mother carries land. Father's title is the Lord over that land. He's a landlord. But it has the land of mother, the motherland, the motherland. So the combination of of the Lord and the motherland is the landlord, i.e. ship captain. But you need the ship, the vessel, the land itself, real estate, to be whole. And, and, and as long as I'm talking about Christ Mass, the concept that the whole Christ Mass itself, what is Christ? Christ is a balm, it's a salve, it's an ointment, it's, it's something that heals a wound. That's what the Christ is all about. The Christ is a healer. But what is a healing? You can find all this stuff, again, over the years, over, I mean, all the stuff that I have over at XYZ, but the wound is the separation of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. The Lord and his land. Those two things need to be brought back together. And the only way to pull yourself together or reconcile is through I am, the Christ, the present, the present moment. And that's, that's with the whole thing, the whole, Christmas, the whole Christmas story, everything about Christmas is about the present, the presence, the gift of the present. Christmas, Christ mask, I mean, I joke about it. I've been joking about it for years. What is the Christ mass? The Christ mass is the substance of your existence, the essence, the, the, the actual material that makes you up the gist of your existence. That's the land, the temple itself, the church. It's your physical body. That's what it is. And so the Christ mass is your physical body. It's the church. And that's the whole celebration. The Roman Catholic Church, through these deeds that they created as of 1933, are deeds to your real estate, your land. 
It's the Christ Mass. The deed to the Christ Mass. Only through the church, the Roman Catholic Church, only through bending a knee, bowing to them, acknowledging the church, are you able to have absolution or the return of your vessel. They, every, if you go and you do the Eucharist, if you take that little wafer, the body of Christ, that is just, what do they call that? I mean, that is their, that, that's their version of giving you back what you already have, your physical body, the Christ man. It's a scary thought for me to think there are billions of people that have completely ruined their lives completely abdicated their own authority. I mean, think about this. If everybody understood this stuff and were completely responsible for themselves, I mean, the one thing I've tried to teach even my son is that the best thing that I can do for my neighbor, the greatest gift I can give my neighbor is self-reliance me relying on myself so I don't become a burden to him. The greatest thing I can do for anybody is to not place the burden of my life on you. That's the greatest gift I can give you. And even biblically, what does it say? It says, love thy neighbor as thyself. So that, that, that presumes a love of self first. And of course, what, what, is, what, what, what do we hear all day long is that we have to sacrifice ourselves for our neighbor. Again, if I were to sacrifice, ultimately sacrifice myself, I wouldn't be on this call right now. If I sacrifice myself, if I physically sacrifice myself, I would be unable to offer anything to my son, to my wife, to anybody. So self-sacrifice is a joke. It's a joke. Don't. And by the way... Um, I don't you think that maybe that is the problem with the world, is that, that you are giving, no offense to anybody on the call, but maybe that's what the problem is, is we hate ourselves so much at this point. We are so disgusted with our own efforts or, or, or non-efforts or, or lack of the ability to act. We're so disgusted with ourselves that our neighbors get exactly that. It gets our self-loathing. I mean, to, to love thy neighbor as thyself presumes that you love the self first. And if you hate yourself, imagine what your neighbor's going to get. I've been talking for almost an hour. Let me let me let me see something. One of my favorite uh, Christmas movies, and and again, my wife and I have these all day long. They're an endless loop all day. I love the spirit. I, I mean, one thing I've noticed is it is it does happen. It actually does happen around Christmas. People do smile more often. They do feel better about most things. And, um, I mean, I notice it. And, and by the way, if, if, if you want somebody, if, if you want to feel good about your life, start smiling to the people around you. I mean, actually start bringing what it is you want. If you want joy in your life, it might be wise to actually spread a little bit of that. As brutal as I am on everybody all the time, there's one thing that people can count on. Um, is that I'm always me, and, and I'm extremely loyal, and I'm, and, and I'm extremely loving. You know, there, there, there's, no, there's no malice in me. You know, there's, there's no, there's no uh, uh, retaliation. 
I don't care about that shit. That's a waste of time. I mean, if I'm angry about something, the only one that it burdens is me. That's it. I mean, I'll find out what caused all this crap, but, but when it comes right down to it, what do I care? I mean, you know, the, the people that do all this nasty stuff, they have to live with themselves, and eventually somebody, you know, that, that is harmed by them is, is probably going to take care of them down the road. But home alone. I mean, how many people even recognize that as a child being left behind? A child, and I'm, I'm, every time when I talk about a child, I'm talking about this, this certification of birth registration that my parents got in the mail. Curtis Richard Kallenbach, all caps. It says right under it, full name of child at birth. Child at birth. What is my name? What is baby's name? It isn't Curtis Richard Kallenbach, all caps. So what is this child they're speaking of? It's not me. And it's, it's not offensive to me. By the way, do I need to change this name if it's not me? Do I need to change all caps Curtis Richard Kallenbach if it's never been my name? No. What I'm getting at is this is a child. It's a form of child. It's a type of child. Me. It is. Anyway, the phone, I, I mean, is it really Christmas? Yeah, it, it, it happens during Christmas. But the whole movie, the whole idea of these movies is that somebody abandoned a child. Now, they make it look like it's a real boy, but ultimately that's what it is. You're abandoning a child and allowing that child to suffer um, the consequences of that abandonment. So when you start watching movies, uh, even the, the holiday movies, which I think are the best anyway because they just make me smile most of the time, um, Home Alone is all about that. It's about abandoning a child and the repercussions. By the way, what's crazy about both Home Alone is that um, the child that I'm talking about here, Curtis Richard Kalmach, all cap, I mean, this is a legal child. This is, this is a stock share, a stock in a company. And that emanates from New York City. So when you start looking at the movie like Home Alone, I mean, I know that there are ties to France. I know there are ties to New York. I know what's going on have these strange ties to Spain. But the, the movie Home Alone, it's funny because they actually, the parents go to France in one movie. The, uh, the parents go south to Florida, and he, the child, ends up in New York City by himself. Now, how can the, the, uh, the, the uh, screenwriter know about this stuff? How can he be writing movies that are so exact in, in what I know and how they correlate to what I know. I don't know. I, I have no explanation for that. Um, Miracle on 34th Street. That's a, that's a strange one because that movie is actually trying, it, it is actually explaining that an entire country believes in God and therefore, therefore Santa must be real. I mean, if, if an entire country believes in God, then why not Santa? Why not Santa? You know, that's the same type of, uh, what, is they, what do they call that, syllogism? Um, I, used to, I used to laugh at uh, where somebody would say, you know, love is blind. This is, this is the idea of, uh, I, I think it's a form of logic. Love is blind. No, no, God is love. 
Love is blind. Ray Charles is blind. Therefore, Ray Charles is God. That's the kind of logic or reason that is being used against us. And we can't see it in these courtrooms. We, we are like children, by the way, and we are running as fast and as far away from the very thing that will save us, which is your name. It will save you. Right now, you are nobody. You are nobody. They don't know who you are. And you're going to be punished because of that. You're nobody. You have no name. You are an unknown quantity. And you're in our territory. You're in our jurisdiction. Who the hell are you? If you have the legal registration of your name in your possession, and you can prove it, you will be protected by the United States. If you cannot prove it, you're on your own. I mean, the wolves will eat you in those courtrooms. They will eat you. Um, Here's a a little weird sort of connection to the idea. Um, I think I actually had something strange written down here. Let me see if I have that on my computer. By the way, my computer is working much better down here this week. Um, I threw a couple of words out here that I just want to cover just in passing. That you know, The idea of Merry Christmas, Merry Christ's Mass, Merry. Now, it's always spelled M-E-R-R-Y, but I know that the, the, the rose and the rose line and the, the idea of the bloodline is the rose, and, of course, that's the... The apple tree is part of the rose bush or the rose lineage of, of foliage. But Mary, M-A-R-Y, Mary as in Magdalene, the bloodline of Mary or Mary, when you hear this, when you hear Mary Christmas, um, understand the way the, the, the cults work their magic is in our belief system. So we can be saying one word, but um, actually enforcing their ideas, their concepts, their authority. So Merry Christmas um, is not speaking about uh, a jolliness or an attitude as much as it is um, part of the cult or Mary Magdalene. The idea of the Christ Mass or Christmas I've already discussed a little bit because that is the actual vessel or the body of Christ. The body is your physical body. And and that physical body, on one side of the equation, I've talked about this years ago, is pure mom or pure Mary, the bloodline of Mary, which is mom to mom to mom to mom, which is the mitochondrial DNA bloodline lineage, um, which is the bloodline of Mary. X-mass or Christ-mass, remember, Christ and X, what is the X? Why did somebody place an X in place of the word Christ? Because the X is really it's twofold. Number one, the X identifies the female gene. Female only. Remember, the Y identifies the male. So you have the female gene, but you also have the idea of the sacrifice or the cross. The X is nothing more than a St. Andrew's cross. So you have Mary, and then the idea or the image of the sacrifice the cross itself, and then the sacrifice of the mass. 
So Mary Xmas, M-A-S-S, is, is, is actually pointing to the sacrifice of the um, bloodline of Mary, which is the mitochondrial DNA aspect, which is the maternal afterbirth, which has, man, this is a lot of information, which actually has its own title, and that title is Curtis Richard Kalamak in my case. So let's go back over Merry Christmas. Mary, the bloodline of Mary, or Mary Magdalene, which is the idea of the first mother, or the mother of the church, and that is the mitochondrial DNA, mother-to-mother-to-mother-to-mother bloodline. There are no men. There are no biological males in the bloodline of Mary. It's pure. It's pure. No biological men. It is of the earth only. Of the earth only. Remember, a heavenly father plants his seed into Mother Earth. Mary represents Mother Earth. And it is completely separated or pure from any um, taint of a biological male. So the mitochondrial DNA identifies only the bloodline of Mary. The bloodline of Mary. That is the mitochondrial lineage. And that is the maternal afterbirth. And the maternal afterbirth has a title. And that title is first, middle, last. And that's the way that works. Curtis Richard Kallenbach is of the maternal side of the equation, the mitochondrial DNA lineage of Mary, and it has no biological father, and it's female gene, the X. And it's a vessel. It's a ship. It's a left-behind material. Just like all ships are considered female, so is Curtis Richard Kallenbach, that vessel. And what is that vessel? I'm just trying to clarify here some things for Christ Mass. When baby, baby is in the womb, he's surrounded by uh, the amnion and the chorion, and then beyond that is the maternal material. So he has fetal tissue and maternal tissue. And when baby comes out of the vessel, when he comes out of the thing, the, the ship that he was being carried in, when he comes out, the vessel, after birth, crashes ashore. And that vessel, it's not claimed becomes derelict. And that's what I'm getting at. See, people don't realize, as crazy as this stuff sounds, they created through science and uh, reality, they actually created a situation that mimics the Christmas story. Mimics it. Jesus uh, uh, was away in the manger. In the manger. Well, so that's where Jesus was? See, I know Jesus, or the Christ, is, is a sacrificial lamb, which is the afterbirth material, because the afterbirth maternal side has no biological father. In fact, the maternal afterbirth is an immaculate conception. And it was the material in the past, historically, that would be sacrificed. Instead of a, a living being being sacrificed, they're now able to sacrifice this afterbirth material in place of a living being. In place. So that this material gets sacrificed in place, but 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 let 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 what the heck? Let me see something here. As long as I'm thinking about it, <clears throat> manger, M A N G E R, defined. 
What is a manger? A manger is a long open box or trough for horses or cattle to eat from. So maybe Jesus, the Immaculate Conception, which I believe is, is gosh, I know I'm offending a ton of people right now, but the Christ, uh, the material, the afterbirth material, which is the Immaculate Conception or the afterbirth, that's what was placed in the manger because that's where afterbirth goes. It's in there. It becomes horse feed, you know, cattle feed. It's this product that, that actually becomes something useful. And so the manger is actually, again, it's a, it's a trough for animals to feed from, animals to feed from. So when, when you start look, really looking into these terms, these words, you go, wow, a manger? So maybe Jesus was, was, was laid to rest or was sleeping in a manger? Um, I, can, I can honestly tell you right now that there was no baby placed in any manger. Um, last week I started talking about another one of my favorite Christmas songs, which was The Little Drummer Boy. And again, how many people know what a drummer is? Well, I know most people are thinking, just like they thought last week or the rest of their lives, a drummer is what? Just some uh, musician beating some skin. A drummer is not a musician necessarily. In this case, a drummer is uh, a term applied to commercial agents who travel for wholesale merchants and supply the retail trade with goods or take orders for goods to be shipped to the retail dealer. The term most commonly refers to traveling salesman. A drummer is a traveling salesman. So the little drummer boy, maybe he was selling subscriptions. The point is, is that there's so much connected to commerce in every aspect of Christmas, including the idea of St. Nicholas. My favorite, by the way, because I've always had an affinity for, for, for Santa Claus, but I, because I love the spirit. But here's the thing about St. Nicholas. The Nicolaitans, the Nicolaitans were, 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 were a group of, it was a cult, but they, they lived. I mean, I mean, let me see if, it, if I can find anything about the Nicolaitans. But the Nicolaitans were... were um, they lived extremely, I don't know, um, debauchery. They, they, were, they were heavily into uh, uh, getting things, just like the Christmas that we, we live with now, the gift, the receiving of gifts, and, and to and enjoy all this bling and all this other stuff in our lives. The Nicolaitans, their entire existence were about this. Their, their entire existence were, were, were living um, through indulgence to the max. And, and again, I'm just touching at a bunch of things just off the top of my head because sadly, I'm at 56 years old. I, I, I still get excited about Christmas. I still love seeing people happy and all that stuff. But I, it, it's been years, years um, since I, I, I've, I've been able to to feel that joy. You know, I've been so, so torn about the world that I see. But I got to tell you something. In my journey, I learned one thing, the most important thing of all. 
that everything, everything exists and is capable and possible only in the present, in the present moment. We can do anything we want with our lives individually or, and I don't use this word lightly, collectively as man, we can do anything. We can stop any atrocity. We can do anything right now. Right now. We can, we, all the wars can stop when everybody puts down their guns. All the tasings can stop when, when, when the cops realize what they're doing is wrong. All, everything can stop, but it, and, and it can only stop in the present moment. It doesn't stop in the future, and it hasn't stopped in the past. We only live and exist in the present moment. And all the things that, 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 that we do daily, I mean, we need to really think about the value of everything we do. My whole goal in this particular journey was just to find the truth. And, and it, it really did come full circle. You know, from being angry and everything else, to getting to a place where I'm looking at my paper right now and I realize that it was my, the joke has been on me. They gave me something that I failed to use. And I know it was deceptive. I understand all that. But now that I know, um, I'm not going to run from it. And now that I know, I actually feel like I'm, I'm more responsible. I now and more responsible because I see that if I'm in control, 100% in control, then I have nobody to blame but myself. Nobody to blame but myself. And I know now that having control, 100% control of this vessel, allows me complete freedom. But again, I'm, I, it, with that freedom comes total liability, and with the liability comes total responsibility. So again, not many people I know, I can be honest with you on this, I don't know many people that really want that position. They say they do, but then they, 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 if they know what it means, they, they better be careful for what they wish for. So again, I can, I'm more than happy to show people what I'm doing, but, but if it's just to get out of a parking ticket or if it's to get out from underneath paying taxes, I hate to say it, but everybody that has neglected their registration, they owe taxes because you are a ward of the court or a charge to the state. Your vessel now is part of the welfare state, and you are a charity case. And I'm not trying to offend people. Because this is not about getting back to the republic. The republic isn't gone. This is not about, you know, the 14th Amendment. All those fools chasing that shit, what a waste of time. This is not about Republicans or Democrats. This is pure business. And it's the business of your life. So, I don't really uh, have a whole lot more. I'm, I'm just so stoked. Um... I am so stoked about about that uh, the Coosville stuff that we're giving away. I'm so thrilled that that I was able to talk Rob <laughs> into giving that away. 
because um, he's done so much work on it. I just I just want people to have it, and the sooner the better. So that's really all I have tonight. I, I really wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas uh, in the way that I intended. That's M-E-R-R-Y, and Christmas as in that spirit that we all as children grew up with. You know, when you were, uh, you had no fears, when you, when you didn't know what you know today, when it was that simple. I mean, I'm, you know what, Norman Rockwell, that's, that's the childhood I grew up with. That Norman Rockwell, all those paintings, all those winter scenes, that's the world I grew up in. You know, it was easy, very easy. And I want that life. I don't want this stuff um, that we live with right now. All of the creepy things out there, you know, people talking about aliens and, and I know what they're doing, but I have to feel in deep down in my heart that I know it's one moment when everybody wakes up, it's one moment when people will stop doing what they're doing to each other. And finally, I'll say this, if you want, if you really want to begin to change into the, into the person you think you, you, you really should be. Every morning, wake up and look directly in your own eyes in the mirror. And just do it as long as you possibly can. I mean, if you can do it a minute, my hat's off to you. Uh, most people can't. Most people will start crying, by the way. I guarantee that if you look in your own eyes for any length of time, you'll start to be very sad at the decisions you have made and the choices and the belief systems you've been involved with because you're going to feel the presence of Christ right there and then. So on that note, I'm getting out of here. I don't have anything else to say. I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, and uh, I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to get that Kuchel stuff um, as a gift from us over at XYZ. And I, I'm just pumped, you know. I, and ultimately, I, I do have to get back to cleaning up this house. That's really why i got to go. I, I, there's too much to do around here before the, the guests arrive. Rob, is there anything... Is there anything you can do or say? I, I, I'm like I said, I'm just ramble. I ram most weeks anyway. But is there anything out there that, that I'm missing that we should tell these people? Hmm. <laughs> get on over to XYZ and join the community and and get yourself out of the confusion and the questions and and just immerse yourself in all that high value content including the four-day intensive training from California. What a great Christmas gift, Kurt. Great job. Hey, um, are you, is there someplace, can you just, now, you know what, I don't really want you to get into it, but um, can you, can, you said something about those uh, those sojourner plates that people, I just, I just don't tell anybody exactly how things worked out, or, or you know what I mean, I just want them to hear it from you, that you you travel around on these things yourself, and you did have an experience the other day, um, because again, I can't make any guarantees ever with those things, but you you yourself actually had an experience. Yeah, I sure did. Um, I was on the Ohio State Turnpike, and I got pulled over by a state trooper because I was um, I wasn't leaving an assured safe distance ahead. Apparently I was supposed to have one car length for 10 miles an hour. I was going about 60, and I only had about four, maybe three or four. So that's why he pulled me over. 
And uh, then when I got pulled over, then I think that's when he saw the plate. So, but ultimately, in the end, because of your skill set, your willingness to learn on your end, I mean, completely your responsibility ultimately, what the, the trooper actually said, listen, we're about what, 10 miles from where, Pennsylvania or wherever you were going, and he said, I'll, I'll do what? He said he would um, escort me to ensure safe passage. Safe passage is a commercial term. It's a commercial yeah, it's part of the Hague. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, um, for those people that want to know a little bit more about that, we can talk about it some other time, maybe after the first of the year. But I, I don't like, I mean, again, I struggle with those plates. I just wanted people to hear it before the end of the year. I struggle with the plates with most people that are not prepared to do what Rob, you know, how Rob handled it. But, but Rob drove away. He, the, the trooper actually said he would escort him. To, to make sure he had safe passage to get to where he was going. So, again, that, this, there, there's a learning curve here, people. And, but Rob also has a, the ability to handle himself calmly, and he did that. I know. I heard the story. So, again, I just want people to realize that this is not cookie-cutter stuff. None of it is. And my, my, thing, my entire thing about all this goofy stuff I bring forward is that when you understand the world around you and you know how things work and you're not just trusting the nonsense that you're told to believe, that's when you become an adult. By the way, one last thing here is that people need to, to A, get a Black Law 5th edition if they can, but look up the idea of age of majority. I'm leaving this show tonight with this idea right here, the age of majority. Most people believe the age of majority is chronological. It is not chronological. It is not 17, 18, 21, whatever. Age of majority is majority. It is you reconciling pieces of you so you have a majority of yourself in one place. If you're not... A majority, you're in the minority. Minority is a quantity. It is not the color of your skin. It is it is a quantity. Majority and minority is how much of you do you own. This is not chronological. Pick up your black law and really look deep into the idea of major and minor. Majority, minority, you will realize that they're talking about how much of you do you have control of. You, not your age. Again, it's that simple. Start learning reality and quit following the fools. The fools that are still promoting the nonsense. And that, and, and that's most people, by the way, people. Seriously, they're just not able to think for themselves. They keep following the lemmings before them. So on that note, Rob, get me out of here. There's no, I mean, I, I, I just said I've just been babbling. Um, Merry Christmas, Rob. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to talk to you before Sunday. But other, otherwise, have a great holiday. Um, and, and folks, I, lo- I love all you guys. Anybody that's willing to tolerate me for any length of time, man, oh man, my hats off to you. So. 
again, on that note, Rob, get me out of here. I'm, I'm going to go start helping to clean the house. <laughs> all right. Merry Christmas to you too, Curtis. We all love hey, you for all the all that you do for us every week, and and I know that you've helped so so many people over the years. Um, I will get you out now. Uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you before Christmas. Uh, right, we don't have an we don't have an outgoing song, so I'm just going to end the recording. <laughs> You're just going to hang up on everybody. All right, I'm going later. Thank you. Bye. All right, good, good night. Your conference recording has stopped. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Hm. Instacart for the win.